I'm Miguel Ibarra, and you're listening to the Sound of the Loons podcast. afternoon or evening depending on when this finds you welcome to the sound of the loons podcast i'm steve mcpherson and i'm here with callum williams and we're in the brew hall at allianz field first of all let's talk about this brew hall a little bit i'm realizing now that i haven't actually been here since allianz field has been open i feel like i oh. walked through here a bunch of times um when it was when it was like the week leading up to the the home opener uh, i have not yet gotten the chance to sort of wander around the stadium when it's when it's open um, and so I'm looking forward to hanging out here. We're going to be watching the women's world cup. We're going to watch uh, the, the U S in a little bit here, but I, obviously from your shock, I feel like you have come to the brew hall. Yeah, it is now, uh, after we are done with our broadcasting duties on a match day, it is a regularity of mine to come down here and, and have a couple of pints with uh, some friends and, uh, my wife, uh, often, oh, uh, wait, yep. I lost it. Oh, where do you think it is? Oh, 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 my wife. There it, no, is. it is. Tyson was Tyson, our producer, was gonna make me a little sheet, but he didn't make me a little sheet. So oh, I had to it for my wife. So. Um, <laughs> I got it. There we go. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I often venture down here afterwards for um, for a catch up with some people, and um, it's great. It's a fabulous place uh, to come after the game. It's, I would argue, just as good to come here and watch a game as well. Yeah. Uh, I watched the the U.S. men in the Gold Cup against Jamaica uh, the other day here. And uh, it was a, a raucous crowd and, and people were uh, very much enjoying themselves despite the US falling to Jamaica. Um, we're not going to talk about No, we don't need to no. talk about that. Um, and again, to my knowledge, 96 beers on tap and, and I will do everything in my power to try all of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, at least for right now, there's 96 taps, but there's some duplicates. So there are. you just, you know, like understand your expectations. There's a lot of beers, but it's, it's just a volume thing because when this place is packed, everybody wants some beer. So, yeah. you know, come down for, for, for the beer here. Uh, we are, we are actually partaking right now um, because, you know, like a good company person, we want to promote the, the brand. So mm. uh, we're having some Co Kona golden ale. Which, which is, is on lovely. special today for five dollars, uh, and that's. Um, uh, I guess they're going to be they'll be having specials from time to time. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of specials that that happen when you um, when you have the match days here yeah. um, that aren't uh, aren't with uh, Minnesota United at home. But but you know, for example, the away watch parties. I know a lot of them now take place right. here. There's match day specials there um, all throughout the Women's World Cup and the Gold Cup and the Copper America. There's going to be uh, specials on the on the drinks and on the food as well. So, uh, again, look, just a, a fabulous place to come and watch a game for sure. Yeah. So uh, some information, non-game day hours are Friday and Saturday, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And Sunday, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, I was going to talk about the special. So that's when there's when there's not a game happening here. Um, and then there's going to be watch parties for the Women's World Cup. We mm. are at one or we're at one that is going to be starting soon. Uh, today at 2 p.m., uh, the United States takes on Thailand. Uh, on Sunday, which you this will probably not get up until after that game's already over. So uh, on Sunday, the U.S. is taking on Chile at 11 a.m. Uh, that day, the brew hall is going to be open at 9 a.m., so come early. They have some breakfast options, I believe, on they the do. weekends. Uh, lovely. Yes, I'm going to get some lunch here in a little bit as well. well me um, too. What yeah. should we go for? I don't know. Uh, I've looked at the menu many, 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 many times because I, one of my duties is 
proofing the menus. Yes. Uh, and so I've looked at them a hundred gajillion times, but I've only seen words. I don't know. I haven't thought about what I want to eat. I just, I have to make sure that Goju Chang is spelled correct in every draft of the menu. Basically. Okay. Well, so. that, that's, thank goodness we have you. Um, <laughs> what I will say is, uh, and I can tell you this from experience, the, uh, the burger, I'm not entirely sure what the official name of it is at the moment, but it's wonderful. Okay. It's really good. I do like a good burger, so um, I'm probably going to be leaning in that direction. Look, a burger and a beer and a football. You can't go wrong. I don't, yeah. don't want to get too complicated for lunch also, you know, so. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the the, the Women's World Cup. Uh, today, we're, we're again, we're watching uh, is the, the first game, U.S. Women's National Team against Thailand, which I'm really excited for. Between the U.S. Men's National Team and, let's be frank at the moment, Minnesota United, it is powerfully weird to be playing for a favorite. And really an overwhelming favorite. <laughs> yeah, it's bleak right now, isn't it? Let's be there. Uh... <laughs> Let's not talk about that part. Let's talk about the no, women's part no. of it. Which is really, it's kind of fun. The, the, the ads that they've been having this, you know, this, you know, the, uh, you think David can beat Goliath? It's like, oh, well, yes. look at this Goliath. They're like, incredibly uplifting, aren't they? Yeah, it makes me feel like, yeah, we, we got this. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. And also we should point out as well, at the moment on the screens, we have Chile against Sweden, which our very own Kindred East St. Alban is commentating on at the moment. And and I would it would be remiss of me to, to not say, I think she's done a fabulous job so far. And, and she Absolutely. did the Canada, Cameroon and um, Spain, South Africa. And they've all been very good. Her alongside Jen, um, Jen Heldreth. It's been uh, it's been wonderful to, to listen. So, um I think, uh, but you, you, you're right though, Steve. Um, no doubt, the US, again, as they should, being world champions, are favourites coming into this. What I will say though is that the quality of, of the women's game is continuing to, to elevate year after year after year. So whilst they are the favourites, there are a couple of other teams that I would say are uh, are. are very close challengers nowadays, which I don't think mm -hmm. you could say, even back to the 2015 World Cup in Canada, I don't think, you know, Japan have always had a decent team and obviously they, they got to the finals and that's where the US won it and whatnot. But um, I, I think now that because there is such uh, a more um, vibrant uh, feel for the women's game, there is a more serious investment mm -hmm. in the women's game across the world. The other nations are getting bigger and better. Um, I, I And this isn't just because they are hosting the tournament. It wouldn't surprise me if France do well. Um, Le Sommel, the, the centre forward there, um, you know, she's had domestic success uh, with the Champions League as well and, and, and the uh, French League. And, it, you know, she, she is somebody who, who I know can can score goals uh, plenty. The, the midfielder Henri behind her has, has done well and, and scored a fabulous goal on the opening day as well. A, a killer from the edge of the penalty area, which was lovely. Um, you can't count out the hosts. You no, know, like they, any, they're always going to so. have uh, an element of favoritism towards them, aren't they? And, yeah. and, and they drew a pretty good show. group, it seems like, as well. They uh, did. They, they, avoided some, they avoided Japan, you know, some of those, some yep. those other potential powers. Yeah. So. Um, I, I would count Norway and Germany in uh, the the group that I would consider um, the better teams in the tournament for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Australia could very well um, make a run as well, although they lost to Italy on the opening day, which was a shock. It seems like they have they have a great striker, Australia, right? Um, they have a couple of decent players. Uh, Car? Am I thinking of? And, and look, I think that a lot of the reason for this, Steve. Um, is, is because the, the W League, as it's called in Australia, mm -hmm. again, they've, to my knowledge, they've partnered with the A League, which is the top division in Australia, and they've gotten a, a lot more financial backing now. So as I say, sure. there's, there's so many of these leagues now across the world 
uh, that are backing the women's game, and it's it's fantastic to see. It really, really is. Yeah, the uh, I I was not able to watch. I wasn't watching the Australia game, but I was you know sort of following along on on Twitter. Um, and I have some, some people I follow who who are, who are commenting on it. Aaron West, who's who's a big soccer guy, who I believe is working on the coverage yes, is, of yep. it in in France, is a terrific follow. Uh, also on Twitter, but he was he was talking about how Australia is so dynamic and exciting, but also so porous in the back, and they're going to have to win every game three two. And I'm like, this is the kind of soccer I want to see. So yeah, I could certainly see that. But also, you're right about um, it's uh, it is it's, it's uh, Sam Kerr, beg your pardon, mm. uh, who who plays actually yes. in the NWSL for Chicago. And um, you know, again, that's one thing I love as well is that when you look around um, the entirety of the rosters of, of this World Cup, you know, the, the sprinklings of players all over the world. You know, it's wonderful to see, but the vast majority of the better players are playing here in the NWSL. Yeah. Which is fantastic. You know, yeah. women's soccer has always had a very good reputation around the world when it comes to American women's soccer. Yeah. It's yeah. always been considered the best league. The national team's always been considered the best team. Um, and, and look, as I say, it's, it's great to see so many um, players are over here playing in the NWSL. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's, there's a lot of work left to be done. I don't think we should work too hard to pat ourselves on the back, given things that we know in terms of pay disparity and, and issues that are going through in terms of women's soccer in the United States. Yeah. But I do think we have to, you know, at least acknowledge the fact that that Title IX was huge for the development of, of soccer, of women's soccer in the United States. And it's one way in which the United States really did it right, because around yeah. the world, um, you know, women's soccer was just viewed as, well, you know, like the men's, you know, in places where men's soccer was more well-established, it was just looked on as, well, why would we do that? Whereas, yeah. it, you know, here, starting in the 70s, it was like, listen, you got to give equal money, you know, to women's college, collegiate sports uh, that you need to fund them equally. And that led to a growth in in the sport among women in the United States. And that's it's fantastic to see. It is. And the one thing I will say as well, Steve, purely speaking from an English point of view, we've seen tremendous growth in the, the women's game in England over the last couple of years. And, and again, that's, that's elevated the quality. And, um, you know, I think for the first time, in in a long time, I would put England also amongst that group where mm -hmm. it wouldn't surprise me if they got into the final four. Yeah. Um, I watched them against Scotland the other day and, and, and I thought they were terrific on the press moving forward. And, you know, there's a centre forward who plays for Barcelona, Tony Duggan, who I think is absolutely wonderful. And, um, you know, there's there's a myriad of, of experienced pros in that, um, in that England team, no doubt about it. Um, I, I remember actually, I actually commentated, before I came over to the US in 2011 originally, I commentated on the... Um, 20, uh, it, sorry, it was 2009 slash 10 FA Cup women's uh, final, which mm -hmm. was wonderful. It was between uh, Everton and Arsenal. And there was a centre midfielder called Jill Scott who completely dominated. Um, and uh, she was playing for Everton and in the end, Arsenal won. There was a, a fabulous, I remember uh, an individual called Rachel Yankee who's actually now um, working on, on the media side of things for this World Cup. Uh, I remember she uh, took the ball from the left-hand side and cut in on the edge of the penalty area and just lobbed the ball over the head of the goalkeeper. I remember thinking it was an absolutely sumptuous finish. Mm -hmm. um, but I just remember uh, Jill Scott being in the, in the heart of the midfield for Everton that day and thinking she was wonderful. Uh, she may very well have even scored that day. I, I can't remember. But um, you know, now I see that she's playing for Manchester City. Um, and again, you know, the, the City Football Group have, have um, put a, a load of money behind the women's program and, and they mm -hmm. have a, a lovely stadium 
um, which um, is uh, you know right next to the, the city of Manchester Stadium, or the Etihad as it's known nowadays, I guess. And um, you know, it's it's just great. There's a big television deal with BT Sport in England now as mm-hmm. well. And and I was speaking to a, a former BBC colleague of mine the other day, and uh, he had said to me that the the viewing rating for England Scotland was over six and a half million. Uh, we've we've never had that Steve women's football in the UK before so again it's just all signs of the growth of the game uh, not only in England but around the world yeah I I mean I I find it fun to watch I I come into the Women's World Cup about the same way that I come into every World Cup which is you know I know a couple people I know a few players I don't really follow international football that much I'm even pretty terrible at following club football outside of MLS (laughs) Um, so it's always a chance to sort of learn about a team and, and fall in love with a team and sort of see who they are. I remember feeling that way about Sweden in the, the, the men's world cup after going to uh, the American Swedish Institute here in Minneapolis and watching, uh, or I guess there in Minneapolis, we're in St. Paul um, and watching the game there. And it was really fun. I sort of really got into like Sweden. I really liked yes. following Nigeria. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of teams I sort of got into. And so, you know, it's, it's fun because for a couple of weeks, you're like, oh, I'm going to, it's sort of a fling. You're like, oh, this team, I love the way they play. I love this. And also, can I say, I feel like the women are a little tougher than the men uh, oftentimes on the pitch out there. I feel yeah. like there's there's a lot less, I'm not going to say flopping, but exaggeration and a little rolling around and a little more of that. I feel like the women's game is very physical and tough. I feel like they play yep. through contact. Um, it's, it's a little gritty. You know what it is, Steve? There's not as many snipers. Sure. That's what it is, you know. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't disagree with you. Every time I have watched uh, women's football, it's been uh, nitty-gritty. It's been um, borderline blue-collar. I don't think it's unfair to say that. No. Um, I, I think it's been uh, it's been rough and tumble. It's been very enjoyable to watch. Yeah. And uh, as I say, I remember when I was back in England and, and, and watching the, the w, um, WSL and... and and looking at the quality of the football as well and, and just seeing how far the game had gone and, and the facilities and everything. It, it, it's a good watch nowadays. And, and as I said, mate, I mean, what, what's happened now as well, because the, the game has been elevated from an English point of view, you see a lot of the... Um, uh, a lot of the, the English players going off and playing elsewhere in, in better leagues. Like, for example, I know the French take their women's football very seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lyon, I mean, again, Champions League winners with, with an abundance of, of talent on their roster. Uh, Lucy Bronze, for me, um, is perhaps one of the best players in the world right now, perhaps one of the best defenders in the world. Um, I thought her and um, uh, Nikita Paris on the right-hand side for England were were phenomenal to watch. And um, wouldn't surprise me if, if Paris got, got to move somewhere at some stage. Um, not that she necessarily needs a move because you know she's playing at Leon as well sure yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> not bad you know it's um look it, it's just a great time for women's football I don't think it's ever been this strong yeah and uh, it, it's only going to get better yeah it's uh and I I mean I don't want to play the as as the father of daughters card because I think I mean I've like I liked I enjoyed watching women's uh soccer long before I had daughters I remember watching you know teams with Mia Hamm and and oh. and Brandy Chastain you know like that I love that that was great but uh my daughter just had her for my oldest daughter my seven-year-old just had her first soccer practice of, of the summer uh, the, uh, last night uh, and it was really you know it's it's fun she's played t-ball before she hasn't really ever played organized soccer uh, but it's great to see her out there playing and on a team that has uh, girls and boys uh, you know they're playing together uh, I feel like soccer has a lot of um, equalizing elements to it you know mm-hmm. it's like the 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 
the, the pitch is the same size. The, you know, the, it's, it's about the ball and, and the players. There's not a lot of intervening equipment. There's not like, it, there's differences, obviously, as you're saying, not as many snipers, maybe a little more physical. <laughs> there's d- these different elements that go into the differences, but it's a, there's a commonality. And that's one of the things that we love about soccer is that it just connects people. You don't need that much to make it happen. Right, and that's absolutely. kind of a beautiful thing. Can I just point out as well? Um, so as we mentioned earlier on, we're, we're sitting here in the brew hall of Allianz Field and we're just looking out and there is soccer as far as the eye can see <laughs> on all of these televisions. We have Chile, Sweden on one of them. We've got the build-up to the USA, Thailand on the other. And the third option is a replay of Minnesota United away at Colorado Rapids, which we don't need to get into too much. But um, yeah, Unfortunately, that's what we're going to talk about next. But. <laughs> but it's Good just, segue. I think you're like you're a pro. You just segue right into that. So um, Let's talk about Colorado. Uh, my first note here is just ugh. <laughs> Um, fair, fair assessment. <laughs> it was... Given that, okay, the thing, one thing I want to remember is that we were missing a Minnesota United is missing a bunch of, of players, um, and so yes, there are things, there are trends that are continuing and things that need to be addressed. But you also have to put into account the fact that you're not only missing Jan Gregus, you're missing his likely replacement. Rasmus Schuler, like another option in the midfield, you're missing Matt Nier, who's who's been the best player probably on the team this entire mm-hmm. season. That, that's got to go into somewhat into your equation. I think. But it was funny though, Steve, because out of all the international players that Minnesota United were missing, um, I think the one that they probably could have done with was probably Kevin Molino. I think. Yeah. I think the players you just mentioned that, that were missing, I don't think were actually missed that that badly. I thought, um, you know, the central midfield. I thought Lawrence Oldham was arguably the best player on the field for Minnesota. I would say that too. It was fun to see him get some runs. So. It was, and, and him and Alonso, you know, seemed to, to form a good partnership. I thought Boxall did well at right back. I thought Hassani when he moved over to right back when Gasper came in. Uh, thought he was fine and you know so I, I don't think it was a, a, a massive look it stepped down of course but I don't think yeah. it was a huge one and, and look for me simply Steve it, it, look it doesn't matter I don't care I don't care you don't perform at that level um, when you're playing in Major League Soccer because you, you're going to get beat every single day yeah. the Rapids and I say this with all due respect um, I, I don't think I have seen a more bleak and barren team in Major League Soccer as they have been I, I know they've, they've turn things around and seem to be on, on an upwards uh, trajectory. But um, at the start of the year, you know, no win in 11. I don't think I've seen a team as bad as they have been. And um, you can't go and lose to a team like that. If you're going to be pushing towards the postseason, if you're going to make any sort of headway in the postseason, you can't lose to a team like that. Yeah. And the, the main difference for me was because I thought defensively Minnesota were actually fine. You know, I, I thought, again, O'Para and Coleman were were resolute and did well I thought Vito Manoni made the saves he had to make um, and I thought Boxall was fine at right back he's, he's played that role many a times for Vancouver and for the national team and Hassani Dotson did okay as well so I, I thought that the back line was fine um, it was just the the attacking quartet where the issue was yeah. and again we, we've spoken on this podcast before about the loons are really struggling for goals now but I, I'll be honest I thought they were hopeless moving forward I, I just there wasn't there wasn't any single moment in in that game when I thought to myself, they look like they're going to score here. Yeah. There wasn't any moment. Yeah. And that's simply unacceptable when you've got two designated players up there, Rodriguez and Quintero, who simply need to figure out how to play alongside each other. Finlay um, and Ibarra were were both extremely disappointed um, coming off the field and and sort of being around the players on Sunday morning on on the travel day. but it just simply wasn't good enough. And, and if Minnesota United are going to 
to even have the expectancy of, of pressing into the postseason, they have to be a lot better than that for sure. Yeah. I think um I thought I thought Boxy was was fine in his defensive role. I think, you know, the the reason I think they missed Metonier is because whatever offense has been generated on the team has come from that spot from his spot, from pushing up the right wing from yeah. that fullback position. That's not something Boxy can do. Like no. he's he looks like a center back. He yeah. is upright. He is rigid. He is he is solid. That is one of the things you want out of him. It's not a great look at right back. He did fine in terms of his defensive responsibilities. I was interested in the Gasper and Dotson, those two guys out wide. Um, it, you know, and it, it seems like there's a chance we'll see that again um, yep. in the near future, possibly. So, you know, I think that's that's an interesting look. They might get a little more out of that. Both those guys want to are capable of going forward. Not quite in the way that Metnir. I mean, Metnir just looks like he wants it every yes. time. Like Dotson, maybe not as much. Sometimes you see him make those little forays forward, and then he has to play it back, you know. So, and I'm sure Chase is going to take a while for him to get adjusted. But yeah, yep. the the problem is, I mean, the problem is not is not scoring. It's everything you just said. I think it's tough when you have all those front four guys. None of them are in form. Like none of them are feeling it. Uh, I'm sort of wondering if maybe, like, if maybe you just need one of those guys to have a game. Sure. And then it makes everybody like loosen up a little bit because I think each one of those guys in their own way is like, I got to be the guy who gets this goal, you know? And when they don't, they're let down. And when they don't, they're let down and then it becomes difficult. It's like, I sort of feel like if you could get like a brace out of any of those guys for a game, yep. it would suddenly be like, Oh, now I don't have to, they won't, none of the individual guys will feel that pressure as much. And maybe they'll just play a little looser. Cause it does. It still feels like everybody's just calculating a little too much about what to do. You know, like that, like Ethan had a great look and then he just hit it with the outside of his boot. Cause I felt yeah. like he maybe just took a little too long to sort of like get just the angle he wanted. Um, you know, I think that the, again, the defense was decent. I mean, conceding on set pieces is never a great look. It's something that Minnesota's had trouble with before. But um, the team has lost its last two games by a goal each. Um, and then that Atlanta game was really a 1-0 game that just got away from them in stoppage time because they were throwing everything forward. So if you keep losing by, like, one goal, it's like you just got to He's got to score a couple goals, you know, yeah. like, and it's tough. I think, I, I mean, I think we've, we've talked about this before just to reiterate like the coach can't go out there and score the goals. You know, like it, there's a limit. Chances are being generated. Not as many chances as against Philadelphia, but crosses went into the box. You know, they're not getting, it, things are not getting finished. So that's the big issue, isn't it? And um, again, I, I just thought to myself that against Colorado, there was just, there was an element of frustration that there was just nothing really from an attacking point of view that I really ever felt positive about, you know, that, yeah. that there was the one chance, as you mentioned, that Ethan Finlay put wide. Um, and then the other one, maybe the only one I can really think of at the top of my head was when Darwin Quintero headed straight into the path of Tim Howard. I, I don't right. remember Tim Howard ever really having to make a save. And, you know, he's 40. Yeah. He's not the goalkeeper he was. You have to test him. Yeah. Um, he was the top scoring goalkeeper in fantasy this last week, which was the last week of the fantasy season. Like before him, it was like Stuver. I mean, that's some bad goalkeeping. Stuver had like three fantasy points. Howard had nine fantasy points in a shutout, you know, cause, cause nobody ever, he didn't get challenged at all. It's um, it, yeah, it, it just, they don't look dangerous, you no. know, like that, that question of danger. I remember last year, especially in July, it was like, as soon as Darwin got a foot on the ball, it was like, Oh God, Oh my gosh. Well, the other team was just going, Oh, what are we going to do? <laughs> it just doesn't feel that way. It feels like an, the other team can just, and I, you know, 
he, Adrian talked about that. He said they don't, they're not playing angry. They're not playing with an edge. There's not like any, there's not urgency to how they're playing. So too soft, yeah. And, and, and this is the thing as well. The one thing I will say, Steve, I don't think there's enough responsibility. I don't think there's any accountability right now, or at least enough anyway. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's extremely infuriating because <laughs> if you're going to do anything in this league, you have to hold yourself accountable. This league has gotten to the stage now where you can't get away with things. Yeah. You get caught out very quickly. And Minnesota did big time in Colorado. That that can't happen again. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens over this. You know, obviously the, the schedule is there's not another um, MLS game until the end of June. Uh, there are there are friendlies. There's we're going to talk about the Open Cup game coming up. There are sort of things that are happening. But this is this is sort of the moment. You know, there's definitely a swoon that has happened leading into this break. They're going to have to come back strong or they're going to start losing. They're going to lose that playoff position. You yeah. can't play like they've played the last, you know, three, three games and expect that you're going to, you know, just cruise into the, the playoffs in the sixth spot. So. Oh, it's, it's getting tighter and tighter in the Western Conference as well, if you look at it. I think yeah. um, with, with Colorado beating Minnesota, they leapfrog Portland Timbers. And I think Colorado are only seven points behind Minnesota now. So it's, yeah. it's so tight in the Western Conference. The Timbers are going to come hard now. I mean, yeah, it's, what is a it? huge home advantage It's now. 17 of the next 21 are at home for them. Yeah. I mean, so they are going to fly out the table for sure. Yeah. And SKC is in 10th right now. They have been, they have had injury woes. Uh, hopefully they're getting their, their players healthy. I would never bet against Vermees getting that no. team on, on the same page. So let's talk a little about, about SKC heading into this Open Cup game, which is coming up on a Wednesday. Um, obviously, Kansas City, a team that's traditionally taking the open cup very seriously do you think that might be a little different this season given yes. like a little more protective <laughs> okay all right so next question no. a little more protective of their players given that they're nursing some guys back from injury they're they're really going to be worrying about making a playoff push so do you think they'll maybe uh, take their foot off the gas a little bit i don't think that anybody nobody's like throwing games right everybody no. every player wants to go out there and win the game that's in front of them but it, there's also how hard are you going to push uh, to get another game in another week when you could be resting guys and getting them back? Yeah, and, and the issue is, as you've just alluded to there, Steve, there's a, a plethora of injuries for them. And I don't think I've ever seen a roster depleted as much as I had sporting Kansas City. Having said that, though, they, they still put out Benny Fairhaber, Elia Sanchez, and um, uh, Gutierrez in, in the middle of, of, of the park as yeah. well. You know, that, that's with all the injury roles that they have. You know, it's... Um, they're Johnny still Russell, not bad. Johnny yeah, Johnny Russell's, Russell's awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, Daniel Shalloway on his day is fabulous as well. Um, I, I wonder how they're going to line up coming into this. Um, I would expect, you know, Graham Smith and, and, and maybe maybe Beasler at centre-half. Um, I, I, <laughs> is it is it Zandejas in goal, maybe? Um, I, I, I just... yeah. I, I can see a mixture of, of reserves and, and one or two first-team players, but I would probably say the only reason the first-team players would be in there for Kansas City is, is simply because they don't have anybody else. Sure. You know, yeah. they, they are about as depleted as they come. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I, I just think, and knowing for me is like I do, again, he, he, as you quite rightly say, they've taken the Open Cup very, very seriously over the last couple of years um, and, and, and won it a handful as well. Um, but I, I simply can't see them... Not taking it seriously, I, I just would be of the assumption that the 
they would be okay not advancing this year and not having a cup run because they simply don't have the roster to move forward with it yeah. um, because of all the injuries. So um, we'll wait and see. I, I think, though, from a Minnesota point of view, I would have said before that Colorado game, it'll be reserves. Yeah. Because, again, I don't think Minnesota really have a, a roster to make a, a deep cup run either. Um, but now, after that result in Colorado, I think there's two things that have happened. I think Adrian Heath is going to say to people, no, you were terrible on Saturday. You're playing. I don't care if you thought you weren't going to. You're going to play this game. Yeah. And you're going to prove yourself to me. Yeah, show me something. The other side of the coin is that players will want to say, well, I don't want to go into this break off of the back of that. Right. I want to play. And, yeah. I, and I want to give something back to this this franchise and, and, and play in front of these fans again, you know, and uh, hopefully end this little break on a little bit of a positive note and, um, you know, give something back. So so I, I think we'll, we'll see a sprinkling of, of both reserves and first team players. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, well, there's different ways to take things seriously. That doesn't necessarily, I mean, it, you know, obviously in playing an MLS, you're trying to, to win every game, but you also have to deal with rotation. You have to deal with, you know, you have to use the depth of your squad at times when you have double game weeks and things like that for a game like this. It's also a chance for Chase Gasper to get another game game in, you know, likely um, while we're still missing people for Hassani to get another, another game in, you know, like Adrian talks about it all the time. It's one of the reasons they have the, the relationship with Ford Madison. Now these guys yeah. need games, you know, and it's a game. So I, I think you're right. Different guys are gonna be playing for different reasons. Some guys are going to be get out there, show me what you got. If you want to keep your spot when we come back from the break, other guys, it's, it's more experience. You know, it's, it's a little different. The open cup is going to feel a little different. Um, yep. You know, it's, I think that I saw Andy Greeter had a great article with Ike Oparo, First of all, like a great sort of Q and a um, with Ike talking about, um, him as a person, which was really fantastic. But he was talking about, he was asked if, if this is going to feel, this is his first time facing uh, Kansas city since, you know, since coming here, and he's like, yeah, but it probably more so when it's an MLS, you know, sure. that, like the open cup is a little, it just has a little different feel. Um, it's, it's not quite the same. So, uh, so was, I think that that tang of, of revenge is going to be a little stronger when they face uh, SKC yeah. in, in the, in MLS for Ike, I think. If I plays. If I plays. Yeah, I think he has a little knock, right? So I, I mean, I, I personally, if I was Adrian, I wouldn't play Ike in this game. I no. would. Uh, you, you're right. He got a little bit of a knock. Uh, nothing serious, but uh, pointless in, in risking him, you know. But when, when you have the tandem of Coleman and Boxall as well. And yeah. Look, I mean, we could very well see Olmsberg as well, who I thought was fabulous against Hatter Berlin the last time we saw him. Yeah. So, you know, um, yeah, no, no reason to risk, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us for the 61st Sound of the Loons podcast. Minnesota United's next game is on Wednesday, June 12th, here at Allianz Field when Minnesota United faces off against Sporting Kansas City in the fourth round of the U.S. Open Cup at 7 p.m. Central Time. I did right Minnesota untied um, <laughs> you can watch that game on ESPN plus or come on down to Allianz Field there's no radio I believe for that no. right it's just, so it's just ESPN plus or come down here in person and come down here it's going to be super fun uh, be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC apologies as always to Richard Bogner uh, you can follow Cal at Cal Williams and me at Steve Entrist. and remember there's only one person in this whole world like you and people can like you exactly as you are